Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I want to look at a period of time in British Imperial history from 1945 to uh, 1948 uh, with two withdrawals and two partitions, namely that of India and Palestine. And to address really the idea that um, Britain had an orderly withdrawal from empire and a peaceful one um, and the evidence obviously suggests that this is uh, not a ten not not a uh, a tenable position anyone can realistically take anymore in neither the case of palestine or india can it be said that a settlement is created uh, and that the partition of both countries is not a uh, solution particularly um, that could be seen as a particularly successful one. In fact, the problem of emergent um, nationalism and tribalism um, and the development of nation-states, particularly in India, with uh, India and Pakistan, but the growth of the, the, the birth of the, the, the modern nation-state of Israel uh, meant that there would be forces unleashed that were beyond the remit, beyond the ability of British imperial administrators or the desire of British imperial administrators to control. In both cases, uh, the decolonizing administrations saw partition, particularly in the case of Mountbatten and India, as the lesser of two evils. The degree of indecision are of rushed timing uh, and of chaos surrounding the two partitions uh, is, is, is interesting. Uh, from 1937 onwards, the British had given thought, um, following the, uh, the Arab revolt, um, of partitioning Palestine. And the job actually is done not by the British, but by the United Nations. The Labour government simply hands the problem over to the United Nations and the the um, uh, the uh, partition uh, is the part of the UN partition plan uh, in India in the same time period in 1947. As we've already seen in a, a previous podcast, Sir Cyril Radcliffe 
um, headed the Boundary Commission uh, in early 1947. Um, the date of withdrawal is brought forward dramatically due to Britain's financial troubles post-war and following the uh, uh, the end of currency controls on sterling as a part of the stipulation for the, the loan that Keynes um, was offered in 1945. Again, there's a podcast on the Keynes loan if you want to listen to it. And this meant that uh, Britain, by 1947, is bankrupt. So the job of decolonisation has to speed up a pace. In Palestine, the chances of creating a settlement between Jews and Arabs um, and the chances of creating compromise are undermined uh, mainly by the events of the Second World War. Um, The fact of the Holocaust um, and the development of um, new and more uh, aggressive militant Zionism uh, from Europe and the fact that persecution of Jewish people continued after 1945, that countries in Eastern Europe um, expelled their Jews, Stalinism essentially finished off um, the the war against the Jews that Hitler had begun in expelling Jews from Europe and um, the civil strife within Poland, Ukraine and other countries claimed large numbers of, of Jewish survivors and so a, uh, a huge increase in flight uh, from Europe uh, happened after 1945. The British had also made a, a problem um, for themselves in destroying the Arab political leadership uh, during the Arab uprising from 1936 to 1939. Um, large numbers of them had been jailed, exiled or executed. There had been um, arguments between different elements of the Arab leadership over the failure of, of the uprising. Um, the um, Husseinis, uh, the Grand Mufti of Palestine, um, um, Hajj Amin al-Husseini, returned to um, Palestine, given his brief flirtation with Hitler during the war, and um, in 1946 was head of the Arab Higher Committee, um, which was the, uh, the kind of the working authority during the uprising. The Chamberlain government in 1939 had a plan to divide um, Palestine. Um, and this was mainly designed to benefit British interests in the Middle East, as all these things invariably were. Um, and the question about what to do about Palestine um, and the Chamberlain partition plan re-emerged in 1945, and obviously the world situation is extremely different here at the United Nations, you found um, uh, an American uh, input um, which is far more favourable to Zionists than the British had been in uh, 1939. And this is um, a factor of this entire period, is uh, that prior to the war, this was a great power question after the end of the Second World War. This is a superpower and a Uh, Cold War question. The idea of the United States becoming involved in the workings of the British Empire in 1939 is quite unrealistic. 
Um, the United States is chiefly involved in the workings of both the British and French empires and the fate of their colonies and former colonies after 1945. But the British have a problem. If the Americans choose to support the Zionist cause um, and the British give way, as they have to, because they want things like martial aid and all sorts of uh, um, concessions and help from America, and really uh, America during Britain's austerity years um, is an indispensable ally in actually keeping the empire going, much to the um, dislike and distrust of uh, both uh, Republican and Democratic congressmen alike. But in taking, in favouring the Zionist cause, as the the British feel they they have to, they enrage Arab opinion not just in Palestine but across the other parts of uh, Britain's uh, Middle Eastern Empire, such as Egypt. The British were keen to hang on to bases um, along the Suez Canal zone. They had uh, good relations with King Abdullah of uh, Transjordan, who in his own uh, right was interested in acquiring land from Palestine if the territory was to be carved up. And Transjordan itself was um, likely to become a useful and reliable British client state in the Middle East. The British population has little interest in Palestine and basically never has done. Um, When Zionist bombs went off in London shortly after the war, um, there was even more more desire to rid oneself of the entire problem. And uh, Palestine is extremely expensive. Um, The solution that's proposed by the Foreign Office was to create a bi-nation state, something as some Austro-Hungarian type affair, where both sides would would have kind of relative autonomy, and there would be a two-to-one ratio between Arabs and Jews uh, across the country. Um, the fact that this is fair, you know, as fair a settlement as possible, um, was uh, neither here nor there. It's unrealistic. It was uh, rejected. Um, a single Jewish state uh, would also uh, rub up the wrong way. Precisely the the very Arab partners that the British are hoping to keep on side to further their own uh, imperial interests in the Middle East. Some Arab leaders embraced the idea of a partition. Um, The Zionists reject it, America therefore rejects it, and actually the Soviets reject it as well. Um, The the, the Palestine had originally been a League of Nations mandate, and the United Nations, the direct heir of the League of Nations, meant that the British could hand over the, the mandate, you know, hand it back. But again, this carries risks with it too. Not only in the uh, United Nations General Assembly, where there are increasing numbers of newly decolonised nations um, that resented imperial powers like Britain and saw no reason to help them, but also the Americans have a huge power in the United Nations, and an American solution is almost certainly not going to be favourable towards British interests. 
So the calculation really is, can we steer the uh, partition and independence of Palestine um, so that it will prop up British interests post-war? Or is it going to be too difficult? And if it's too difficult and we hand it over to the United Nations, are we then relinquishing power to influence the situation at all? And will countries who are either A, ambivalent towards Great Britain, or B, actually quite hostile towards Great Britain, decide what happens in the Middle East and therefore what control Britain will be able to exert over the rest of the region? The British government itself was um, divided. Hugh Dalton, Nybevin and Emmanuel Shinwell, um, Zionists in the cabinet, um, were outflanked and outclassed really by the Foreign Office. So uh, Ernest Bevin um, and the army as well laid out to um, the Zionists in the cabinet really the bigger strategic picture um, that of, of Britain in, in the Middle East. Uh, and it is these guys that win the day. Even though Bevin didn't have the confidence of Clement Attlee, who was um, largely unconvinced that Britain was going to have a continued role in the Middle East. The fact that British policy is caving in and the um, Anglo-American Committee of Inquiry, which featured the backbencher Richard Crossman, which uh, sat over the period, the winter of 45 to 46, and came with the conclusion that um, Britain could no longer go on in Palestine. Um, the and the the fact that there were hostile forces arranged against Britain uh, as Britain sought a solution that would benefit itself um, meant that the choice to hand Palestine over to the United Nations became irresistible by 1947. Um, the the British government rejected the first partition plan in September 1947. This was the proposal with the binational state. As this is rejected and the timetable for withdrawal speeds up um, for uh, 1948, um, a withdrawal without a political settlement is on the cards and this can mean only one thing, a civil war. One can see here really a breathtaking irresponsibility. The British thought that the problem now handed over to the United Nations would be resolved, that the United Nations would somehow find um, a solution and that the dividing of Palestine into an Arab and an Israeli state um, would be able to avert uh, an, an Arab-Israeli war. In the uh, run-up to the uh, outbreak of hostilities, there are attempts between um, Arabs and Jews uh, to hold, uh, to show some kind of uh, solidarity, a uh, general strike that crosses ethnic lines, for example. The problems that the uh, Arabs had was that their movement since the Arab Revolt, uh, as previously mentioned, was uh, immensely divided. Um, the, they were internecine feuds and a great deal of anger uh, about uh, who was responsible for the, uh, the defeat. And this fed neatly into the plans of uh, King Abdullah um, to carve out part of the, uh, the West Bank.
On the 22nd of July 1946, uh, the decision by uh, Menachem Begin's uh, Irgun um, to blow up the Jerusalem's King David Hotel, uh, which was the um, central um, point or the central administrative building for the uh, Mandate Secretariat, mainly killing local Jewish uh, administrative workers, um, was a, a morale blow to the British. But they never really come back from British attitudes towards the Jews of the Palestine Mandate after the bombing of the King David Hotel range from um, deep resentment uh, amongst many of the the officers um, who see themselves as having been um, attacked when they arguably helped Jewish people during the war in their view. The uh, campaigns of the British Army were never motivated by a fear for our concern for the Jews, but the net effect, the Many British officers believed at the end of the war they had done good things to uh, um, to, to help Jews and liberate Belson and that kind of thing. Um, and then there were British servicemen who were shocked at the condition of Jews arriving in Palestine and deeply sympathetic towards them, particularly when they are shipped off to uh, internment camps in uh, other places. Um, because of the uh, ban on immigration of Jews into the mandate. Overall, uh, towards the end of the mandate, there is a feeling amongst British uh, personnel, amongst the uh, Palestine Police Service and the British Army, that the entire mission in Palestine is a waste of time. And there's a sense of, you know, bewilderment as to what Britain is actually doing in Palestine. This is intensified in 1947 when the um, the Stern Gang, a separate um, terrorist organisation uh, from uh, Begin's Irgun, uh, began to bomb London with the help of uh, the uh, French who had a long-standing enmity with the British over the Palestinian mandate, um, and who, if you... The book to read on this, by the way, is James Barr's brilliant book, A Line in the Sand, um, and the disputes between the British and uh, the French, which make both look particularly bad, over Palestine, Lebanon... Syria and uh, Iraq um, date back from 1919 really through to um, 1946-47. An ex-servicemen's club and a bomb that was planted deep in the heart of the colonial office which mercifully fails to go off due to a failed detonator but would have been uh, a, an atrocity on the uh, King David Hotel um, Proportions. These um, were added to by uh, the probably most um, shocking um, attack on uh, the British uh, during the period was the, the kidnapping of two British Army sergeants, uh, Cliff Martin and Mervyn Pace, who were uh, hanged by um, the Ergun. Um, this was a, a tit for tat killing um, in retaliation for. Um, the shooting of three Ergun men um, who had bra- broken out of jail. 
And it was these sorts of um, events that uh, awoke a latent and not too um, carefully hidden anti-Semitism uh, in Britain, which had always really been the, um, the uh, Oswald Mosley uh, returned um, after internment um, during the war to active politics, um, bringing his, his own brand of British fascism uh, briefly back to the streets of, of London in the, the 40s and then later on in the 1950s. And the, um, the, overall, the overall feeling within Britain is a kind of a latent anger and resentment towards the Palestinian problem. One, a, a, and it seems to be something that Britain can't quite find the means to divest itself of. Um, and the, there is an immense frustration uh, that Britain has to seem to be kind of enduring these problems um, as the um, weeks and, and months wear on. The main issue, of course, is finance. Britain just can't afford it anymore. And what Britain certainly can't afford to do is to um, commit more troops to the policing of a mandate that it's questionable whether Britain has any interest in any longer. And the decision, the question of what to do about India at this time also kind of returns and places um, a great pressure are on um, the the British and their dealings with Palestine, um, making it more likely that uh, Britain will want to hand the problem over to the, the United Nations. Because obviously a solution um, to Palestine that is solely uh, on Britain's terms involves probably a commitment of more troops um, to manage the transition to some kind of independence or some kind of um, partition. Far better to let the United Nations do it. And far uh, if, of course, um, the, there are uh, immense pressures uh, on India at the same time. So the process of decolonization in both countries is interrelated and um, has a, um, a, a bearing on one another and also, is neither decolonization is particularly simple. Now, in this podcast, I've, talk, I've talked about the Indian partition at length in about half a dozen previous podcasts, and they're all there, so you can search for those. So I don't want to kind of go over old ground. Um, I'm, I'm chiefly interested in looking at the relationship between Britain, uh, the rest of its empire, um, the United States, and the, the world situation and the problems of uh, withdrawing from the Palestinian mandate. The French um, were making the problem of Palestine uh, even worse by allowing a free flow of uh, Jewish migrants, those who, as previously mentioned, were desperate to flee Europe as persecution continued, um, down to the port of Marseille, uh, where ships were there, are ready to take them on the journey across the Mediterranean to Palestine. Um, the, in 1947, MI6 began to uh, attach uh, mines to freighters uh, to, uh, to sink them in a fit of, um, of desperation. And um, in 1948, uh, Georges Bidon um, 
uh, signed a um, an arms deal with Haganah, the pro, the proto Israeli defense force, um, which um, meant that the they would be firstly well armed, um, and the inference was that this the, these arms would not necessarily would no doubt be used against the Arabs. But if they were turned against the British, this would not be any bad thing either. See, Egon and Alahi, uh, whilst attacking, whilst targeting all British personnel as legitimate targets, also had their work cut out in targeting the, the Arabs. And both sides uh, particularly were keen on attacking uh, villages and settlements. So whilst the British faced a terrorist insurgency, um, a civil war was also brewing between the two sides, of which one, the losing side, and in this case it was the Arabs, were, would face an ethnic cleansing. The British public um, really only see the Britain side of, of, of this and uh, see simply um, the British under attack by from ungrateful Jews. The British were, of course, outraged at French collusion in helping the uh, Jews to reach uh, the mandate and also French collusion in terrorist operations against Britain. But it would be Britain's treatment of Jews who had made it to the mandate um, that was would lose it world sympathy. Um, the, the ship, the Exodus, uh, in 1947, um, that set sail from uh, France to uh, the mandate was boarded on the 18th of July by Royal Navy ships off the coast of Gaza and the um, ships um, in the ship's uh, crew and the uh, refugees were taken off and taken to Haifa uh, where they were put on British warships and then sailed back to France. The British um, in perhaps the most blundering and inappropriate um, and crass and insensitive manner um, that they could possibly have conceived of from their ships the uh, prison the Jewish uh, refugees to the British occupied zone of Germany and having nowhere else to put them put them back in death camps that had been had, had yet to be raised to the ground and and when the Jews in these camps rioted uh, the British set fire hoses on them. When the civil war broke out and 600,000 Palestinians um, left their homes they fled or were forcibly expelled uh, massacres uh, motivating this uh, considerably um, the um, the level of ethnic cleansing is far greater than anything that was um, uh, has, that was possible in places such as the, the Punjab uh, in, in India. Um, the uh, villages that um, Arabs had inhabited for centuries um, were raised to the ground. Um, and the um, cultural memory of Arabs in, in those places was, was also removed uh, physically by the loss of the villages and um, also by the loss of, of the, the people who had, had lived there. But the scale of the catastrophe 
it doesn't really linger on particularly in British um, uh, British memory. Certainly, the partition does, and films such as Gandhi, for example, raise all sorts of uncomfortable questions. Um, the mandate, uh, the partition of the mandate, and uh, the withdrawal of Britain, and the Nakba, the mass exodus of uh, the Arabs, um, that really is, um, you know, a, a minority discourse. And certainly it's something that um, the Attlee and future British administrations uh, were happy to, to duck any responsibility for. Okay, well, I've gone on far too long. Um, so I just wanted to uh, ask you guys, if you can, um, we'd be hugely grateful if you can uh, give us a rating on iTunes. It's pretty much how these podcasts grow. Obviously, make it a good one. A five-star rating would be lovely. Thank you so much. And also, um, if you're really interested in reading more about this, get uh, Martin Thomas's book, Fight or Flight, from uh, all good bookshops. Um, and make sure that you, uh, where you can, support your independent bookshop. Um, that and James Barr's A Line in the Sand are indispensable books on this topic area. Thanks very much, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.